And welcome back to Not Investment Advice. Uh, this episode is actually funny because we have a lumber trader and my buddy David Tops, a legitimate lumber trader from Vancouver, BC. And uh, after this conversation, why it's funny is you're probably going to want to buy lumber. And <laughs> wait, Dave, Dave's doing a face, maybe not. Uh, uh, so I, don't know, I don't know if you've seen the board today, but uh, okay, I mean, so, limit down, but sorry, go ahead. No, no. So uh, I've known Dave since elementary. We've been longtime friends. And uh, Dave, uh, so Dave, let's just walk right through it. How long have you been a lumber sure. trader? Uh, since October 2012. So going on seven years, started my training then. Uh, at Olympic, we, we, we bring rookies in and, and they kind of go through the process through the trucking desk where you're booking freight kind of in and around North America to kind of get the senses of how lumber flows to and from. Okay, so can you can you walk us through? I mean, walk us through like literally your job, like what you're buying. Sure. You're literally buying lumber. You're holding it on. Are you essentially holding it like on your balance sheet and then selling it? And who are the buyers? Yeah, exactly. So, um, so we buy. I mean, you know, it really depends on how you are as a trader. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of a lot of traders actually kind of you know just do the old school wholesale process where you know they buy and sell it without actually taking a position. Um, that's not how I roll. Um, I kind of do it a little bit differently, like a few guys on our floor. Uh, so we buy from mills, whether, you know, it's coming from, you know, Western Canada all the way down to, you know, Arkansas, et cetera. So um, there's about 30 traders on our floor, give or take, um, where we're buying lumber and selling lumber each and every day. So different species, different markets, different regions, different grades. Um from two by four spruce, which is what you know, the bellwether and southern yellow pine to green dug fir, low grade, etc. So, uh, on my day to day, uh, 6 30 in the morning, we get up, you know, we start early meeting, um, uh, wait for the board to open. Um, and then from then on, we're basically calling our mills, um, on what you know is being offered to buy. I'm uh, also calling our customers on what they uh, need to cover. So, uh, me personally, or at least Olympic. We're part of a group called Forest City. Um, there's nine other subsidiaries. Um, so there's nine other trading floors, kind of like us. I would say we're probably in the you know top three or four when it comes to actual volume of traders. Uh, and then we're probably in the top two or three when it comes to uh, you know performance and margin every year. So how much um, trading volume is done a day through you guys? Uh, I, I mean, I would say right now, given the segment of the market were were a pretty big i think it was i think the stats of last year and, and just for the record when it comes to uh, factual numbers and stuff like that, <laughs> please for the record i'm a lumber trader we are not scientific in any matter so um you're on the right I, podcast I think it was, don't worry yeah exactly so <laughs> i think it was about 10 i think it's about 10 percent is what four city um actually um, basically we provide or buy and sell 10% of the, uh, the housing in, in the United States. So it oh comes through. So it's a pretty big position. I mean, there's about 350 traders throughout the group. Um, and there's a couple, you know, competitors that the forest city deals with, but nobody, uh, quite like the size of us. So, um, we buy from our mills, you know, uh, either we're, you know, you know, positional traders, like, you know, you're taking your, your, uh, you're going long, uh, you know, so a lot of guys go short. I'm, I, I would say I do a lot of that. Um, but on the day to day, yeah, it, it's, it's, 
it's, you know, you're kind of the funny thing about my position is that you kind of have to wear the bull and the bear hat every single phone call, you know, every call is a different one, right? Yeah. Because if you're a buyer, you're a bear, you're, you're selling, you're a bull. So (laughs) this is amazing. So like, can you give us a bear? Can you give us like, you're going all, you're buying, you're buying right now. I'm on the phone. Like, what are you telling me? Yeah. So I'm, well, I mean, I mean, look at the board, right. You've got, you know, you're coming off all time highs, you know, you've, you've come off what 30% in a matter of a couple of weeks. Um, you have, you know, I mean, lumber before this whole thing ran up, nobody even heard of it. I, I kind of was making a joke with my sister and girlfriend last night at dinner that it took, you know, it took lumber to go to 1600 before a podcast even gave a shit. Why don't you tell people what lumber was when you started? Well, actually, can, so, can we just do one so, thing real quick, David, just because yeah, for a lot of people that, who yeah, listen, sure. they, they might not even heard of what happened recently. So yeah. just to paint a picture right. because lumber for was sure. in the news quite a bit recently. So like what the hell was going yeah. on there, man? Yeah, there was a lot of uh, Trump memes going around that was being picked around. So yeah, uh, so when I, when, I mean, when I started uh, uh, trading, I mean, the range that I remember lumber being traded at was basically anywhere between call it like two fifty to four hundred, and it was pretty much you know a pretty good, you know. And then sometimes there was like you know months where you would literally trade within like a twenty dollar per thousand range, right? Um, and so uh, when COVID hit, you know, lumber was, was before COVID hit, lumber was doing well. It was doing about 354, 450. And then COVID news hit and it went and it just cratered down to the mid to low twos. Um, everybody thought, including myself, that the world was coming to an end. So, but what happened was everybody was locked at home and, you know, all these DIY projects, everyone doing it yourself, you know, that husband that was sitting around talking about how he was going to fix the deck actually had time to fix the deck. So, um, you know, there was a mad scramble for, for lumber. So not only did you have supply constraints, you know, just get hammered, um, but you also had demand skyrocket. So uh, it was kind of a, a perfect storm. And, and what happened, obviously, is then, then everybody starts flocking to, you know, to bigger homes and they want to get out of this. So they start picking up the uh, single detached, which, you know, consumes a lot more lumber than the multifamily. So that was, you know, now everybody's buying homes. You have interest rates at, at what there are, and you see a massive spike in um, in, uh, in home purchases. So everyone keeps buying these developers, Lennar, whatever, et cetera. They keep releasing more job packs. All of a sudden, you know, uh, our customers keep having to cover. They can't find enough wood because, you know, all the big mills um, were having real uh, uh, production issues because COVID cases here and there, you know, some... Some cellular pine mills would be shut down, dug fur mills, workers weren't showing up. Um, and so it was basically a clusterfuck, if you, if you excuse the expression. But what happened was then all of a sudden you have, uh, you just have lumber go to all time highs. And, and, and there was, you know, there was, there was, there were pockets there where it would kind of slow down. You'd, you'd be like, all right, here, it, it's coming off, you know, a thousand dollars. You thought, fuck, here we go. We're going straight down. And two weeks later, you know, we were quoting 1500. And so it was just like, you didn't really, and, and not actually two weeks, but it felt like, you know, it just went to the moon. So um, it was, it was definitely uh, the last few months, especially, I would say actually 21. So yeah, last few months, it's been extremely aggressive. From 250 from basically when you started as high as about 1600. Right. And as this was, as this happened, 
my instinct was, oh my God, like when I saw it happen, like I was literally texting our mutual friends. I'm like, oh my God, Dave must be so happy. But like when I asked you, you told me, well, what did you tell me? I'm like, how did you feel as just ripping up? You weren't like excited or amazed, right? You were no, actually kind of worried. Shit my pants. Yeah, for sure. Because I believe <laughs> when you have, uh, I believe when you have markets move like that, the, 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 the scar tissue or the, the, I guess the after effect to me, well, I thought would be more detrimental to our income and our market and our industry more so than ever. So, I mean, obviously, you know, everybody, but you have to understand, this is where I'm saying like, uh, you know, when, when you're buying and selling an Airbnb stock or Google or whatever, you're clicking the button and you're seeing, you know, uh, blips of price discrepancies and stuff like that. You don't have that in lumber. I mean, you're talking to, I mean, some of my customers are the CEO of their lumber yard that they've had for 25 years. And that because of how they run their operation, they're locked in at their sell prices. And so what's happening is our customers in, in a pretty much not, I'll just say most of the market, they're net short. Uh, they, they sell jobs and they sell, you know, prices to these developers and they cover as they as they need as the jobs start, et cetera. And so they work on a rolling average. And, and you know, every customer is a little bit different. Some customers go back to the um, to the uh, you know the developers and ask for more money, and some don't. They stick with the integrity and kind of the, I quoted this price, I'll stick with it. So I had you know I had customers calling me freaking out. And some guys are thinking about losing their job, or, or they're you know there's been a lot of there's so. So hearing that call, as much as you're making money and as much as, you know, you, you want to sell and, and do and be profitable, you, there is a human effect that I guess you don't really feel until you get on the phone. So um, that's also, you know, and that's what I'm saying. You're switching your hats because in the last three months, maybe not in the last month, but three months before, at some point, sometimes I, I felt more like a crisis counselor with some of my customers more than, than like, a, you know, a trader because he's calling me, he's you know, I've got customers, what the hell do I do? I'm freaking out, you know, do I, I'm going to have to close shop. So, and these aren't like big, you know, you've got the 84s and BFSs and BMCs. I mean, they're, they're going to survive it, but you've got, you know, retail yards that are or contractor yards that are, you know, in, in small cities across America that were really feeling it. So there was that aspect where you're like, you know, as much as you want to make money, you kind of, as <laughs> probably not the right term, but like, I felt like I had to be somewhat of a human being and not scalp them and stuff like that. So you were worried yourself that you would have to hold on to any lumber you bought. Right. And it would crash. So to, to give it some aspect. So when we buy, yeah, just, okay. There's about a hundred thousand board feet per rail car. Um, so we buy on a speculative nature, 50, 100, 200 cars. There's been times where I've negotiated on blocks of lumber, you know, at, you know, uh, 40, 50 cars at a time, right? Sometimes even more. Um, or I've been short car, I've been short 40, 50 cars at a time. So there's the, the nuances is, is not just the number, right? Like you, you're, you're short two by four or short, whatever, but you actually have to go cover it, right? So there's a physical aspect of the trade that, you know, you don't necessarily get when you're trading equities or, or futures. When I'm trading futures, it's no emotion, right? It's, it is what it is. But so if I'm short, you know, you also have tallies, you also have grades, you also have mill specific. Like, so there's the, the, the inert, like that, the situation is not just so black and white. So right now, you know, we're probably at an all time low of inventory, which is probably the best place we could be right now. Um, 
given the the the, the sickness in the market right now. But um, you know, you I can trade everything from two by four spruce number two Dougie, etc. Um, and you have to kind of keep a mark an eye on, on on all that. So um, you're talking. Then you've got your rail freight. You've got different mills. You've got different tallies you've got different price discrepancies so it's not just as black and white as buying two by four and selling two by four um there's definitely a lot of a lot of moving parts and so but uh, and you actually mentioned previously to me that even with the crazy price rise that you've also done well uh in in other markets too right it's like what makes a good lumber trader is being able to manage just different price environments in general like what what makes a good lumber trader to you like what are kind of like okay three yeah people? that's a great question because i have i have a guy on our floor that i i believe is uh, probably the best lumber trader you'll ever meet like lumber <laughs> like he he knows lumber like i don't know shit about lumber i know pricing of lumber i know where it's consumed at and i know basically where i can liquidate buy etc so i know market uh he's a real big lumber guru but he, and to me he's not the best businessman so he gets himself into trouble because he gets over his you know over his skis with positions i mean hundreds of millions of feet will be you know his heart rate won't even move so um what makes a good trader to me is obviously you need to know your market you need to know your customer you need to know you know price discovery etc uh, but also risk management is kind of where uh, a big thing where, cause you can, I mean, you can get the needle in this, like it's, it can get pretty deep if you wanted to, you know, you can overindulge. So all of a sudden, because you have a physical, because you have what's called a roller, um, just for explanation, a roller is where if we speculate lumber or when we speculate lumber, we have to give these mills uh, where the destination is. But because it's a speculative nature, it's not always sold. So imagine you're buying you know, uh, an ice cream cone and you're saying, okay, well, I'll, I'll buy five ice cream cones and ship it to Phoenix, Arizona. Guess what? The ice cream can't really last that long because it melts. So you, got, you have a timeline. So as that car is rolling down the CN about to hit the U UP, you need to make sure you're selling that car before it hits destination. Amazing. So. You do have, and sometimes you, you know, there was, I mean, it's again, risk portfolio. You know, when I, when I first started, Mike and I, we were, you know, we'd sometimes, and, and we'd have sometimes 50, 70 rollers in a down market, which look, if you, you all of a sudden you start taking $10,000 losses on cars, you know, you're, you're starting to sit there and sweat, but that's kind of the name of the trade. So what help, what makes a good trader to ask your question is, is kind of a combination of, Having a little bit of good savvy, like business and, you know, like um, acumen and making sure you don't blow yourself up because you can do that pretty, pretty quick, you know, in this industry. Like you can get way over your skis very quickly and not know how to get out of your What position. would way over your skis look like? Like you, let's say that you came in one day and you had a certain view on the market and you just put your entire balance sheet on it and then you're off. You can lose that. You can lose everything in one day. Is that well, kind of here, here's the thing about the balance sheet is that like, since I've started Olympic, uh, there's been kind of, you don't really, you have a kind of an unlimited credit card when it comes to buying lumber. I mean, there's, because of our credit is so good in, in, in the industry because and this is the one industry where there's no contracts when you buy a lumber. So when I buy and I call my mill and I buy 10, 20, 30, 40 cars of lumber, they'll say, send me the POs. There is no aspect where, you know, I need to go and, and write a contract and they write a contract. And then we get our lawyers to look at it and make sure everything, the due diligence is there. The transaction is done with it like, yep, yep, 750. Yep. Okay, good. Send me the PO. Done. 
that's how you can purchase you know uh 10 million dollars of lumber just okay. like that also, that's why there's, a, there's no friction it, there's no there's and and you're talking to a guy who might be working at a mill in brookings oregon or or or, or you could be in quenell bc or you could be in you know in, in, in quebec etc so and it's all the industry that's how it how it all works so it's old school because at the end of the day there's a lot of games you can play you know, do you put those cars on the list? Do you enter your orders right away? Are you trying to hide it and, and trade it for yourself? So um, luckily I work at a company that, you know, definitely has kind of eradicated that, you know, whatever uh, mantra, but um, there's a, there's a lot of different ways you can kind of play the game. So uh, me personally, I think integrity is key. You know, if, if guys on the floor don't trust you, um, I think, you know, because, because of our nature where if you buy something, you have, you do have 20 other traders or 30 other traders trying to sell your wood, right? Because it's, it's, it's in their best interest too, because you make the margin and you split it. So, um, integrity is key when it comes to, you know, making sure that the guys on the floor know you trust you, um, and they'll work your stuff. And especially in a down market, you know, like I can call these guys up and because of, because of the ball, uh, the, how I put my own balls on the line and I'll buy 30, 40 cars, and, you know, we'll sell the wood and we'll split the profit and stuff like that. Uh, on the way down, I can also call them up and crack the whip and, and they're pretty responsive in a polite way, you know, like it's a, it's a mutual, mutual respect for each other. So um, there's, there, it's funny because the, when I talk about lumber trading, like when, you know, I'm explaining it to, to, to people that don't know it, it, it always sounds very like ABC, you know, like it's very simple, but when you get into like the actual day to day and who you're dealing with, what you're dealing with, the customers, it's all ego driven, right? Pit price is price discovery is one thing, but the next that's, that's secondary to the ego of the human being you're dealing with on the buy side, on the sell side. Um, you know, is, it ego part, like, is that an example where like, if you're on the phone with somebody is like, you don't want to lose that transaction. Is there a bit of that? It's like, you yeah, both know yeah. that somebody is probably going to quote unquote lose. Well, take about it like this. If you're buying and selling protein, right? You're buying white powder, vanilla protein and you're tell and there's 10 guys in the same row at, a, at a, a trade show selling the exact same protein to the exact same five customers what makes him buy your vanilla protein? I mean, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, you're just, you're just selling the exact same thing. And then, you know, you have the second layer where, you know, the same customers, they buy mill direct. So then you, you've got, you've got, it's a two tiered market, right? You've got wholesale, the wholesale community, the, the, you know, the speculators, and then you've got also the actual manufacturers. So as much as some manufacturers don't want to sell us, they also know we're a vertical that's, you know, we're necessary evil, if you will call it, um, to make sure that because we provide so much liquidity. So, they, you know, there's, yeah. No, no, I just wanted to ask uh, on that as like, uh, there's a more specific question of, could you walk us through a time that you were, you're personally over your skis and how you recovered and like, what was the feeling of that? Yeah. Um, I plead the fifth on some of us, but let's just say <laughs> hypothetically, <laughs> we don't you don't have to answer I, I know a guy <laughs> um, uh, you can get you can take a lot of orders uh, you can take a lot of business if you feel the market's going down and sometimes when you have you know say a boss or you know who doesn't again ego driven 
if your boss thinks the market's going up and but you want to get short, you know, and how do you explain that? You know, like so sometimes you can take a lot of business quietly and you know do it the old school way and just write it on a piece of paper. All right. So it's not the system. So now you've hypothetically you've got a situation where the market's really moved against you and and you're offside, you know, uh, three, four hundred bucks, a thousand. So you're offside, call it like, you know, 40 percent. Or in some cases, uh, you know, you have uh, you're offside, you know, half a million dollars on cars and stuff. like. It's just so how you can get over your skis is 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 by, again, you know, back to my integrity part. And this was something I learned early on that, you know, if you can't explain the trade and if you're not um, open and honest about it, it's probably not a good trade. So uh, there's been times where I just uh, had to dig myself out of a hole quietly without letting anybody kind of know about it. So, you know, I've These had orders on. Holes, right? you, you've been in six-figure holes? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in 2018, in 2018, so you have to understand, like, in in, uh, in 2018, we, we had a run-up of lumber that went from, like, 300 to 600, and everybody was on cloud nine. Nobody's ever seen it, right? $600 lumber was unheard of. It was everybody who was making money. I could tell the, the you know, I, how I didn't spot the top was guys on my floor buying boats and new cars and all that stuff. So I was like, clearly, that's a top coming in somewhere, right? We're... <laughs> <laughs> it's just too it was too equitable so um you know and, and lumber turned from 600 to so it took about you know eight eight ten months to have that you know huge run up and then within a matter of weeks it went from 600 to like 200 so you know we had i remember there was times where we had you know 50 60 cars rolling offside lumber probably about 200 bucks a thousand and then you get to a point where they hit destination they offload and and in our company we they uh, they write it's called a write down so they they take the full amount of the lumber like the cost and put it towards your your income so you're staring at uh you know minus half a million minus you know on a single uh, you know. day yeah and so i will i will say like to me i have never been in that situation i would say if you look at my actually i actually just did this if you look at my track record over the last 6 years I've had one negative month my entire career. I've never, I've had one time when it was that, it was that kind of market where it just, uh, aside from that, I've always been able to trade my way out. I can't say the same for a lot of the other big traders. There's a gentleman on our floor, phenomenal trader, but again, back to him getting over skis where, you know, it's, he's off, he's taking $4 million losses, you know? So, um, and I mean, on you know, a, if you on a single that, day. On a single no, day? No, no, not a single day. No, no, not a single day. It's it, because of the physical, right? You always have some sort of liquidity, and because of the because of the you know customer relationship base, you can always pick up that phone for guys you've been doing twenty years, 20, 20 years of business with, and literally tell him to buy the fucking cars. Like you, you need a PO. You're not getting off the phone until you get it, which is different because like. There is like, so what I was explaining earlier was like that run up, you know, you want to make sure you're being fair to your customers, right? You, you don't want to price gouge, even though you can. Um, but on the way down, the customers, because they're net short, are now covering with margin. So the kind of that power struggle has kind of changed, right? So now it's like, well, who wants to be fair to who? And how do you get these in order? So um, just for 
all intents and purposes. The way lumber is traded is nowhere near like oil or, or equities or stuff like that. We're a microcosm to to those markets. It's just, I mean, open interest for you know, July right now, like 1,100 contracts. That's a spot month. I mean, that's probably, you probably don't even notice that on. Well, on you told me that uh, the uh, lumbers, the futures market on lumbers was a 60th the size of the cheese market. Yeah, I can't remember the exact thing <laughs> that I was reading, but the cheese market is far times like yeah exactly that's what i mean so i don't want to be quoted on on the on the exact okay, number but we always we always joke about that it's you know and so and so to 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 speak truth it is being paid attention to right now because at the end of the day what got your attention was the price of lumber but what got their that attention was the 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 the, the guy in you know middle america having going to the lumber yard yeah. and trying to buy a stick of lumber and all of a sudden looks at a price tag goes the fuck are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a two by four you know so that got attention then that got so the media and then boom and then before you know it here's Trung fan you know <laughs> the, the meme king making memes of, sudden, making memes of lumber well, well dave goes, let me ask you that i actually let know me... an idiot who trades this shit let me talk to him <laughs> well let me let me uh well definitely not an idiot man you are very smart <laughs> you do but uh what i asked is then let me ask you the last question is uh when these memes started coming out how hard were the lumber traders laughing like what, oh, what? it must have been good. surreal there's actually there's actually a guy on our floor, uh, Stefan. He uh, he actually sends out some. He sent out one today. Yeah, I could send it to you later. But it was like you know that meme, that clown meme or whatever. Yeah. You know, Where it's the, like four. So it was like a top. I'm looking at yeah, the top one was didn't buy AMZ, didn't buy GME, uh, didn't buy the crypto dip, and then the last one was the full clown was bought lumber <laughs> at the top. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the memes are the memes are pretty rampant. And you have to understand a lot of these guys on our floor, not so much anymore, but there's quite a few guys on our floor that have been in this industry for 30 plus years, right? 25 years. And what they've just seen has been, you know, absolutely crazy. So they're seeing these things and just are howling at them because fuck, it's funny. Oh but, my god, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was on, on the on the on the trading aspect, it's it's a it's a very different it's a very different mindset than trading, you know, equities and stuff like that. There's, you have to talk to the person you're countering, you know, you have a mill that's producing lumber that, you know, they're always a bull, right? They always think lumber is going up. So then you got to call them and tell them that their lumber is worth less and that they're a shit salesman and they should take this <laughs> offer. And, you know, like that, there's one, and then you got to tell the customer like, Hey, so it's hard because then you, you know, you get paid on, on margin. So how do you get short? You know, do you want to be honest? Do you want to tell them exactly what's going on? But you also have to understand they need to make their money too. So the nature of the beast is is everything is kind of a cloud of smoke in a way. You know, okay. it is. I think yeah. that's uh, that's the perfect way to end it. The nature of the beast is everything's a cloud of smoke. <laughs> uh, Do you guys have any questions for Dave? Jack, anything? No, I was, uh, you covered the question I had, which was going to be about the logistics, like how much you have to factor in, like where it's going, who's buying it. And yeah, it's actually, it's actually, I would say it's 50% of the trade. I always make a joke to the rookies that you have, uh, you have your lumber costs and then you have your freight costs. And so what happens, especially right now with trucking, just being so extremely tight across North America, 
you put on a trade today and by the time you have to call the wood ready and ship the truck, all of a sudden the freight's gone up, you know, 20%. So your margin, instead of making money, you're not losing money. So there's a freight arbitrage that you 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 kind of have can kind of be a bit of a death nail, you know. So uh me personally, I don't really trade trucks. I do more cars, rail cars, volume is how you get paid. So that's kind of where I focus on. But um again, UP rail rates, diversions, uh rail, you know. Uh, all the all the rail lines are getting a little bit uh, harder to deal with when it comes to changing destos and stuff like that. And then you've got on the on the on the mill side, it used to be quite wholesale and 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 trader friendly, but that that that's also turning as well. So now they make you firm desto wood or your 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 cars. So you know even if you're right on the speculative nature and you're right on the price increase but you've shipped it to the wrong, say, state or the same wrong city, um, you can actually end up losing money even though you're technically right. So that's, um, that's amazing. Yeah, the, yeah, the freight the freight, and the uh, logistics is a huge part of our business for sure. Amazing. Where you see the, the future of the industry, like you think this is going to be like belly-to-belly sales forever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... I mean, obviously, I'm sitting in a chair that, you know, puts a roof over my head for buying and selling lumber. So sure, hopefully sure. things don't change. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I could see things, you know, as technology evolves and stuff like that, I could see some of these mills getting a little bit, you know, uh, more technologically advanced. You, you would be surprised how antiquated our industry is. Oh, and yeah. I mean, you know, like a lot of these guys still use fax machines. Like they, a lot, that's how they want their copy, you know, and you're like a fax machine, shit. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? So like, um, you know, I will say that the old school mindset of my daddy used to buy lumber here. And so that whole mindset is actually kind of an advantage for us because yeah. it feels like they don't want to evolve and right. the, the lack of evolution is helping us kind of garner more market share when it comes to buying and selling more, you know, mills kind of look more to us for uh, liquidity, you know, so, you know, they know that we're doing basis and reverse basis. They know we're putting wood on the ground, you know, we're importing wood from Germany and, and Europe and stuff like that. So all of a sudden, you know, the mill can pick up the phone and, and call one, one trader like myself, sell 50 to hundred cars uh, versus pick up the phone and, you know, so I, I think right now the time is on our side, you know, um, but things can change in a hurry too. As long as Amazon doesn't start shipping lumber, I think we're okay. <laughs> Once well, here, Amazon starts delivery. focusing on that. Here's actually yeah. the super, here's a super last Prime question. I'll, we'll let Dave ask Jack a question and Bilal. So Dave has been getting into crypto investing. He's been taking some of his lumber <laughs> profits, going deep into crypto. So Love Dave, it, dude. Jack? You got diversify. Okay. You got Dave, diversify. Dave, check right. this. Jack sold yeah. an NFT. Uh, of a tweet for 70 ETH. So this guy's deep in the game, man. You ask him what you want about crypto investing. Okay, so here's my here's my path to crypto investing. 2008 or somewhere, my buddy's in a basement telling me about, you know, Bitcoin. I'm thinking this guy's on fucking blue or something, right? Thinking, what the <laughs> hell is he talking about? Fast forward, you know, all of a sudden, a couple of my buddies are, you know, they're buying this Cardano or whatever. And I'm thinking again, what the hell are these guys talking about? So I wait until about March of 2021 and I decide, screw it. I'm going to start putting some in. So I 
could be the first trader in history that waited until about a $50,000, $60,000 Bitcoin. <laughs> and that's when I piled in. <laughs> and that's where We've I been saw there, the man. light. We've if, been there. <laughs> if I saw the light, if you will, and I thought, Jesus Christ. So um, I can't, uh, I don't really have anything to talk about about crypto aside from hopefully this hodling thing is a real thing. But yeah. um, <laughs> I, I, I will ask this uh, to ask if you guys are heavily into it. Where do you see it kind of, I mean, everybody, you know, you're asking about lumber and throw you know, nobody knows, right? But where do you guys kind of see it transitioning when it comes to more on the commercial side? Like instead of your day to day, you know, uh, uh, buyers sitting in, you know, uh, their, their basement buying, you know, the dip, um, which by the way, I've done that five times doesn't seem to come back, but <laughs> where do you see it kind of coming back on the commercial side? Like where do you see the, the growth happening where, you know, uh, businesses and such will start to put, you know, billions of dollars and hundreds of millions instead of, you know, 20,000 and stuff. Well, I mean, this uh, we we talked earlier a bit about the El Salvador thing's a big move. Uh, one of the reasons being that uh, if the U.S. has to consider Bitcoin as a foreign currency uh, from a corporate treasury perspective, Bitcoin can be uh, on an accounting basis treated like other securities and assets. Because right now, if it goes down, you have to mark it down. But if it goes up, you can't mark it up because of the way it's mm. treated. So that's a, that could be a big thing. We have no idea what's going to happen, though, uh, which we talked about earlier. I think from a more commercial standpoint, Jack's big into th- Jack and Bilal both are big Ethereum believers, and I mean they could talk you through what they think the future is uh, of those. But uh, well, that's the- one thing I'll just add, David. I definitely don't know what I'm talking about, but from other people who know more than me, I just did an interview. Uh, two days ago with an early ETH guy who's heavy in the community and he's like a technical dude. And uh, so I haven't verified this, but he mentioned something about um, governments in, in Europe um, creating infrastructure with Ethereum. And and I think stuff like that is, is a huge is a huge uh, thing that's going to move things forward. But then you've also got the institutions putting on their balance sheet, which we obviously saw with like Tesla uh, famously or infamously now, um, as well as other other companies like MicroStrategy. So I think probably, I think more of those sort of companies, there will be more companies who do that as a hedge against inflation. And obviously, you know all about I- inflation <laughs> uh, with yeah. what you're doing. And then I think there's all of the uh, institutional money that I think has already been doing it in the background. Like some of it's come out, like this big institutional money is putting, uh, uh, getting at least some exposure, whether that's like one to 3%, like they might have done traditionally with gold. Um, I'm hearing like even people like um, Kevin O'Leary, the guy from Shark Tank, who I see as like sitting in the old school world, adjacent to all these older dudes who are investing in in that world and have always believed in gold. And he was someone who was very anti Bitcoin and crypto in general. Um, and then even he's now increasing his number, I think, to three, five percent, maybe 5%, going all the way up to ten yeah. percent. You probably yeah, had it on the I saw that. Well, I actually watched that podcast and it was interesting because he is a bit of an old school thinker when it comes to some things. But I also feel like he's pretty progressive when it, he feels like he's he's smart enough where he can change the tap. But um, I actually watched that podcast or I watched it on YouTube or whatever. But I guess uh, where I've been kind of more focusing, maybe you guys can tell me if I'm on the right track, but I've been f- focusing more on the coins that actually produce and create, you know, some sort of uh, um, solution. So, like I've been, you know, more to uh, more to Cardano and 
polka dot uh, stuff like that like so because i do believe that that the that smart chain blockchain whatever is going to be uh, smart contracts and blockchain is definitely going to be kind of the wave of the future i don't know how and what they do with it we'll find out but um in the meantime is that uh is that where you guys are kind of put i know ether is kind of the same thing is that where you're putting more of your your uh fiat yeah my, my uh broad thesis is the same idea it's like as you were talking i was thinking about the bezos your margin is my opportunity right the the idea that code as law and smart contracts is a sponge for like all of the inefficiency in all of these industries where you have middle middlemen in every transaction inflating the cost of that transaction and like well-engineered blockchain products can remove that cost and you're going to have you're going to be exposed to the upside of removing that cost as an investor in something like Ethereum, like how many freaking geniuses are working on versions of that in X industry. So think if you can get exposure to the asset at that level, it's a fairly decent bet. And we always recall um, Balaji interview. I don't know if you listened to that one with Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I sent, um, him, I sent that to Dave actually. I was like, Dave, you're listening to this. But oh, yeah, was, he that says, the, uh, was that the guy that was speaking? Like, yeah, I think he did, Trunk. That guy's on a different so, level, though. Like, yeah, he's yeah, guy in the world, that guy. It yeah, was definitely that guy. He was, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind a bottle of American whiskey, some you know, party favors, and hang out with that dude for a few hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's uh, 50% Bitcoin, 50% Ethereum, which in you know, 10 years' time, will there be smarter bets in crypto? Yes, in hindsight. But will you capture a shitload of upside by making that very simple allocation his bet is yes and he's been right for a long time yeah so i realized my investment like, advice. Yeah, that's the one thing <laughs> Not- you have to realize that you know about that old saying like if you're the smartest one in the room you're in the wrong room and i guess in the last like you know few years when i started to make actual life-changing money and stuff what i've kind of just followed is just follow the nerds like you know let the nerds <laughs> take yeah, like, just put your money with it. those guys and it's just like you know you look at them i mean you know everybody it's not the cool guy that's making the money right now it's all the nerds and tech and stuff like that so it's like once i saw that metallic guy i was like yeah he can have my money so just give it to him <laughs> Every time I every time I hear him speak on a podcast, I I buy more. So this is hold on. Let's let's end on this. Charles Hoskins, yeah. Dude, Dave is literally buying lumber from a mill in Oregon, stripping it to uh, a lumber yard in uh, uh, Phoenix, taking that money and giving it to Vitalik. That's exactly exactly the virtuous cycle, man. And uh, and I did buy and I uh, what was it Coinbase yeah I bought the that IPO or whatever that that was a good <laughs> I mean, one too so I know that you yeah. you've been taught you've been hitting the top left right and center <laughs> totally totally luckily luckily in lumber I know what I'm doing so uh, about three weeks ago four weeks ago I pretty much got rid of you know all my shit and I got heavy short so I'm kind of just waiting for this uh, and the market is I mean you know it's 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 not something you should kind of go out there and say because it's kind of like a taboo topic in, in lumber but uh, at the end of the day you know markets go up and markets go down and, and you know i need to keep a roof over my head so at the end of the day uh i got pretty heavy short and it's uh it's paying out so um yeah crypto can take keep taking my money beautiful man david thank you bro that was amazing that was amazing oh, well, thanks, thanks for joining us dude no yeah problem, super guys. interesting 
Gabe, I'll, uh, I'll catch you soon separately. I'm sure I'll see you. Uh, I'll, I'll ping you on the, the text game. Yeah, for sure. Take care, guys. Right. Take care, man. Bye.